You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're going to be in Luke chapter number 5, and what I want to do is begin to look at some snapshots of faith in Luke chapter number 5. I'm convinced that always it's been the Bible command to live by faith, but I don't think you disagree with me that in days like this it is a heightened reality that you and I who are God's people are going to have to learn to live by faith. These are days where faith is absolutely vital and imperative and essential to you and I. There's a lot of things going on in our world today that would attempt to shipwreck our faith. I'm talking about from policies to morality to just what you see, the apathy in our churches. There's a lot that could shake our faith. But I believe a church that's going to go on for God and a Christian that's going to do something considerable for God will be one who does it by faith. Lee Robertson used to make the statement constantly, have faith in God, have faith in God, have faith in God. And that's how we've made it safely thus far. And that's how we're going to make it till Jesus comes. We're going to have to get it done by faith. So we're going to look at faith in this chapter tonight. We're going to read verse number 1 down through verse number 11. And we're going to look at a perspective on faith. If you're able to stand with me, would you do that? It's Wednesday night. I feel like you need to stand up. And I feel like you need to uh, stretch just a minute. I don't preach very long, so you won't be here very long. But I do want you to at least try and stay awake while you're here. Would that be all right with you? I used to say, if you don't stay awake, I'm going to come down there, sit in your lap, and I'm going to preach right in your grill. That's just what I'm going to do. But I'm not going to do that here. Some of you might hold me on your lap. So I'll stay up here, and you stay down there, and we'll just have church. Luke chapter number 5. Let's look at verse number 1. The Bible said, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and that's the same lake as the Sea of Galilee. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. That word draught is interesting. It means to drag something in. And I like this about the Lord. He's asking them to do something they didn't really want to do. But in asking them, he's already promising them that if they'll obey, he's going to bless. If they'll do it, he's going to bring the victory. He tells them, launch out in the deep, do it in the daylight, and then undo what you've been doing, let down your nets. All of that would have gone against the flesh of these fishermen. He's asking them to do something that makes no sense. He's asking them to do something after they've been toiling and tired. He's asking them to do something that they've already done, what he's asking them to undo. They're already satisfied with the situation. He said, here's what I want you to do. Launch out and let down your nets. In verse number 5, Peter replies, Simon's what it says here, but he replies, and there's really two parts to his reply. And it shows us the uh, two natures of man. If you look at it, you'll see in Simon answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. That's the old man. That's the flesh man. That's the carnal nature of Peter trying to tell Jesus, you know we've been out here all night while uh, you haven't been out here all night. Jesus, we, you're a carpenter, we're a fisherman. We've been fishing all night. We've already mended our nets. We've cleaned up the mud. We've gotten the seaweed out. We want to kind of get some sleep before we do this all over again tomorrow or this evening. That's flesh. But the second half of his reply is a little measure of faith. 
And let me say, it is not the amount of faith that you have, it is who you place it in that matters. And Peter now is not the fisherman, now he's the faith man. I like that. He says he toiled all the night, but look what he says, and have taken nothing, but watch this, nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had, done the, had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Isn't that amazing? God breaks what Peter had been depending upon. He said, cast out your nets, and he threw out a net. And God said, I'm just going to tear up everything that you think is sufficient. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I'm convinced, I said a minute ago, that we need to live by faith. But I want you to understand something. Faith does not just help us win. True Bible faith helps us lose. True faith does not just help us get victory. It also helps us surrender. True faith does not just give us power. True faith also helps us acknowledge our weakness. Real faith does not just let us see miracles around us. It will allow God to do a miracle within us. Real faith, real faith does not just move God's hand, but real faith will humble our heart. Real faith doesn't just help us live spiritually, but it helps us die to self. I want to look at a few snapshots of faith, but tonight I want us to think on this thought, the conceding of faith. Faith raises the white flag. Faith says, you know what, maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Maybe I can't get this thing worked out like I thought I could and just cast it all on the Lord. I, my wife in Lincoln picked me up today, and we're driving back, and Lincoln knows everything. His favorite phrase is, I know. I know. He just turned five, but I think it means I think it's 15. He says, I know. I know. And so he was talking to me about Russia and Ukraine. I'm not joking. That's Miss Hernandez's fault. He said he learned it in school. And he's telling me about the conflict over in, the, in, in Ukraine. And I said, man, you know everything. He said, yep, I also know lions don't live in Santa Clara. I said, that's true. You got that one right as well. But he thinks he knows everything. He knows how to drive. He knows how to use tools. And we have many illustrations. I won't give a specific one. But there's many, many times where he and I have been working on something. And he refuses to let me help him. Because he knows how to do it. And it doesn't take too long where he figures out he doesn't know how to do it. And finally he'll surrender and say, Dad, you do it. Can I say you and I as Christians are often just like that. So often in life we struggle and make it harder than it has to be. We worry ourselves. We get weary with it. Why? Because we think we can do it when we can't. Real faith in God says, you know what, Lord, if you tell me to cast out my net, I'm going to cast it out. Nevertheless, let's pray and ask God to help us tonight. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. I pray that you'd please help me to deliver this truth. Thank you for speaking to me about it. I pray you'd help our church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. There's no greater life to live than the Christian life. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. But let me say this on the heels of that. There's no greater Christian life to live than the Christian life lived by faith in God. That word concede is a very important word. Here's what it means. To concede means to acknowledge another's victory before it's even formally established. So to concede is to say, you know what, you win before whoever it is actually wins. 
Tonight, I want us to think about this thought, faith concedes. We hear a lot about faith in these days. You hear terms like faith leader. We hear terms like faith community. We hear terms like, I'm a person of faith. And it's sort of surprising to me that we hear so much talk about faith because faith is so pro-God and we live in a day that is so anti-God and anti-Christ, yet our day seems to be so pro-faith. Politicians talk about their faith. Celebrities talk about their faith. Athletes talk about their faith. Home decor stores will sell trinkets and signs and things for the wall that advertise that word faith. But tonight I want to answer the question, what is faith? Is it just a fuzzy feeling? No. Is it just an emotional stir? No. Is it just some wild wish that has no foundation? Is it just some hope that has no anchor? No. That is not what faith is. I want you to consider three statements concerning faith. Number one, faith is a Bible principle. Now, we hear faith mentioned outside of the covers of our Bible in our society, but true faith is a Bible principle. Faith is something that begins and it ends with God. Any other faith anchored any other place other than Jehovah God is nothing more than rubbing a rabbit's foot, rolling the dice, or uh, buying a, a lottery ticket. That is not faith. That is just a whimsical wish, casting your care to the wind. Faith is a Bible principle. Not only that, number two, faith is extremely powerful. There is nothing known to man as powerful as faith in God. It's more powerful than any weapon Putin might drop over there on Ukraine. It's the most powerful source known, and yet rarely is it truly tapped into. Faith is what it was that parted the Red Sea. Faith is what it was that shut the mouths of the lion. Faith is what it was that kept the Hebrews safe in a fiery furnace. It was faith that had Peter preaching and seeing revival on the day of Pentecost, and it was faith, and it will be faith, and it is faith that brings victory to the Christian life. So number one, faith is a Bible principle. Number two, faith is extremely powerful. But I like this, faith lives within every saved individual. Every one of us here tonight that is born again, you have the gift of faith or a measure of faith planted inside of you by the Lord Jesus Christ. So often we say my faith. It's not even your faith. I don't live by my faith. I live by the faith of the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ who died and gave himself for me. And within me is that same powerful faith that moved mountains and caused miracles in the Bible, and it can still do it in our generation. In the Bible, faith is defined for us. In the Bible, it's displayed, and we find in the Bible God delights in our faith. If you read Hebrews 11, the sixth verse says that without faith, you cannot please God. I don't care how well you preach. I don't care how good you sing. I don't care how much money you give to the church. If you and I aren't living by faith, then we cannot please God. Every area of the Christian life ought to be led by and lived by faith in God. What is faith? I'll answer it in a minute. Faith is the key to every miracle in your Bible. You'll never see a miracle in the Bible absent of that ingredient of faith. If you wanted to see God do something big, you had to have some faith. And can I say the same thing's true today? If we're going to see God do something big for us and in our church and in this generation, we must have faith in God. It produces miracles. Number two, it brings the blessings of God into your life. If you want to have a bucket
bucket of blessing tipped over in your life? Just have faith in God. Isn't that a blessing? You don't have to have all the money in the world. You don't have to know deep theology. You don't have to have some formal training. It doesn't matter who you are. If you'll just anchor your faith in God, you can be blessed beyond measure because God blesses faith. Not only that, but I like this. Faith brings possibility into that which is impossible. When the world would say it can't be done, when the doctor would say it cannot be done, when the finances say it cannot be done, when the brethren say it cannot be done, that's when faith steps in. And faith says, hold my coat for a minute and let me show you what I can do. And I'm glad that by faith, all things are possible. So you find faith is more than a catchphrase. Faith is more than a cute saying. Faith is more than a Christian cliche to get tattooed on your lower back. Say amen right there. Sad thing is, I think I saw that today in the airport. But anyway, faith. Faith is imperative. Faith is essential. Faith is the key to victory. So what is it? Let's just strip it down. Here it is in simplicity. Faith is simply depending upon God. Or we can say faith is trusting in God. Or faith is simply taking God at His word. Faith is not reason. Faith is not logic. Faith is not comprehension. Faith is not my understanding. In fact, the Bible preaches against those things. And it says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, in every area of life, you acknowledge Him. You say, I'm weak and He's strong. I'm little and He's big. I don't know it and God knows it. You acknowledge Him, faith kicks in, and He'll direct your path. It's not a rabbit foot. It's not just luck. It's not a four-leaf clover. It's not information. It's not intellectualism. It is found in God alone. I want you to understand, faith is not generic. When the Muslim speaks of faith, it's not faith. Not true Bible faith. When the Buddhist mentions their faith, it's not faith. Every liberal weirdo with a coexist sticker, they don't know what faith is. Faith is found in Jesus Christ. The hymn writer got it right. My faith hath found a resting place, not in device nor creed. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And faith is not powerful simply because you say you have it. Faith is powerful because the person that it's anchored in. And the reason our faith is dynamic and our faith can do great things is because it's built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You read Hebrews 11, all of those amazing things are done by faith. Victory, walls fall, Moses forsook Egypt. But tonight I want us to think about this faith concedes. Faith surrenders. Faith submits. In Luke chapter 5, we have several stories that display faith. In fact, I believe this chapter kind of enrolls us in the classroom and gives us a good lesson on the topic of faith. In verse 1 through 11, we're given a lesson on the conceding or the concession of faith. Now, the scene unfolds by the lake of Gennesaret. That's the same as the Sea of Galilee. And it's entitled, The Miracle of the Great Drought of Fishes. Now, you look over the text and several things are very evident. You see the providence of God in this story. The providence of God is displayed in the fact that Jesus even showed up. 
It's displayed in the fact that there's two ships and Jesus chose Simon's. It's displayed in the fact that Simon knows how to fish and that night he didn't catch anything. God was working behind the scenes to set this thing up. And can I say the same thing's true in my life and in yours, that God weaves and works things together for our good and for his glory. Not only that, you find a prepared servant or the preparation of a servant. I believe God let Peter toil all night and not catch anything because he wanted to get Peter in an emotional and spiritual place that he could use him, get him to surrender, and then call him to be a fisher of men later in the text. Another thing that I noticed is the possibilities that can happen by faith when you and I surrender our will, lay down our own understanding, and simply trust God. Now, as the story unfolds, there's a large crowd around the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee. Now, that's not normal. There wasn't always a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder crowd standing around the seashore. These fishermen didn't always attract that kind of an audience. But on this day, there's a pressing crowd at the lake. You say, why is there a pressing crowd? Because there was a present Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is there, and he's preaching the Word of God. If you go back to the previous chapter, Jesus has been performing miracles. He's been healing Peter's mother-in-law. That's the grace of God, is it not? He's been casting out devils. He took, the, he took the Old Testament from one of the scribes in the temple, and he quoted the verse from Isaiah and said, hey, listen, it's been fulfilled now in your presence. And because of that, his fame has gone throughout the region, and these people have gathered simply to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say, that is and always will be what draws the right kind of crowd. We don't draw a crowd with games or gimmicks or gizmos or something down the pipe. No, you lift up the Lord and let him draw the crowd. There's a big difference in just reaching a crowd and actually reaching people. And we ought to be in the business of not just drawing a crowd but reaching people. You go down the road where I live back in West Virginia and a deer gets hit by the side of the road and lays there dead, but you watch it, it'll grow. It'll swell up and bloat, but doesn't mean it's alive, it's just dead. There's a lot of churches like that today that are bloating, but they're not alive. Say amen right there. They're just dead. Jesus is preaching. As Jesus preaches, he sees two ships standing by the lake, and he enters into one of them so that he can space himself out from the crowd and preach so that they can hear his voice. As he preaches, he closes his message, and he looks at Simon. We see it here, and he gives him a command. He says first, Simon, he said, thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people. But here it comes to Simon. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, he says, now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your neck for a drop. Now think about it. When the Lord first sees Simon, you know what he's doing? He's sitting over here off to the side and he's cleaning his nets. You know why? Because he didn't catch anything other than mud and seaweed that night. He'd been out on that sea all evening. He'd been fighting the waves and the wind. He'd been out there trying to fish. He'd caught fish every other time he'd been on that sea, but that night he'd caught nothing. He was frustrated. He was empty. He's cleaning that mud off of his net and mending the holes from the sharp objects that had ripped it while he poured it through the water and the Lord looks at him and said here's what I want you to do I want you to take our boat here and launch it back out into the deep now this is a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish if you like to fish then you know nothing annoys you any more than somebody who doesn't like to fish try to tell you how to fish I know how to use, you don't want that's why that's why we don't take our wives fishing say amen right there 
Somebody said, you ought to teach your wife how to golf. I said, why would I do that? Why do you think I took it up? Say amen right there. I'm kidding. She plays all right. She just wants to play for money, and I don't gamble, so we don't play often together. He's telling Peter what to do. Now think about it. The initial response of Peter shows us this rubbed his flesh the wrong way. Because this goes against everything that he'd ever been taught. It goes against all of his knowledge on that sea. It goes against common sense and all logic. If he is going to go out and lower that net, first he's going to have to lower himself. He's going to have to make a decision whether or not he's going to lean on his own understanding or if he's by faith going to trust the Lord even though it doesn't make sense. Now think about how outrageous and audacious this command would have been to a commercial fisherman. I mean, if Jesus wanted to, he could have called all the fish in that lake to come to where the boat was. But he didn't call the fish to the boat. He called Peter to launch out into the deep. Now, these fishermen knew you didn't fish in the deep anyhow. Not only did you not fish in the deep, you don't fish in the day. You don't fish out there during that. They were going to go home and rest. And here's what Peter has to do. He has to make a decision. No doubt it's hard on his flesh. He's being a little bit dramatic. He said, we've toiled all the night. It's been difficult. It's not logical. It doesn't uh, measure up to my intellect. I know this lake. I know what it is to fish. And here's Here's what Jesus does. He enters into Simon's life and he gives him a little trial of his faith in a few areas. And let me share them with you. He comes into his life in an area where Peter was used to being a superintendent of that area. By that I mean that was not Jesus' boat. That is Simon's boat. He had control of that vessel. He knew that vessel. He had purchased that vessel. It wasn't the Lord's. He just showed up here. That was Peter's boat. Isn't that the truth in our lives? Sometimes we think, well, that's my area right there. I know how to work this thing. I know how to do that thing. I know how to handle that thing. It's an area where Peter was used to having the superintendence of that area. It's an area of his strength. He knew what it was to catch fish. He knew what bait to use. He knew where to go to find the fish. Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He made the fish, but he wasn't a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. Not only that, it's an area of satisfaction. Peter was already wrapping up his nets to go home. He'd already come to terms with the way it worked out. He was already done with the situation, going to pack up his nets and go to the house. Not only that, one more. It was an area of struggle. Peter had been battling that thing all night long, and now the Lord steps in and says, get back in the battle. Go back to where you were. Cast out your net again, and I'm going to let you bring in a draught of fish. Can you imagine Jesus telling a commercial fisherman to go back out, cast out his nets? Let me say this. Man's will is free. Sure it is. We have a free will, but we also have a strong will and a stubborn will. Some of the f most oft-used phrases, I want it my way. Yeah. Or that phrase, I'm in, I know how to do it. But I like it in the end of verse number five, faith wins the battle. Peter says this, and I'm going to apply this in just a minute. He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. Now think about what he's saying here. Faith wins the battle. They didn't catch anything all night. And now they catch more fish than two ships can handle in a moment because they obeyed the word of God. 
The key to the victory was they conceded. That word nevertheless, and I preached on that a year or so ago, says it means in spite of. It means regardless. It's basically like saying this, I surrender. I yield. I'll decrease and let you increase. I'll raise the white flag. I'll concede. Here's what he's saying. Lord, he said, we have fished all the night. We're weary. We've been wet. I mean, we've been out in this weather. We're hungry. I want to go home and get some sleep. We'll be doing it all again tonight. If any other Joe from the neighborhood came and said, go back out there, I'd say, go home. You're crazy. There's no way. There's no way I'm listening to anybody else tell me to cast out the nets. It doesn't make any sense. There's no fish in the day. There's no fish in the deep. We are tired of this thing. We just want to go to the house. If it was anybody else, if it was some preacher, if it was some uh, church member, if it was my neighbor, if it was some doctor, if it was somebody else, I'd say, you're crazy. Get out of here. But since it's the Lord, and since it's you, since it's Jesus telling me, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to go against my logic. I'm going to go against my comprehension. I'm going to go against my will. I'm going to go against my flesh. I'm going to get real little and let you be real big. And I'm going to take this vessel out to waters. I normally wouldn't take it in. I'm going to concede. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to submit. I'm going to let you take control. Can I say, there's too many of God's people that are weary and worn out and struggling because you're trying to do something that you can't do on your own. You're doing something that seems illogical. Doesn't seem like it adds up. You're trying to make it work out. You're trying to make the ends meet. You're trying to bring the healing. You're trying to bring the victory. Can I say that's not my job and that's not your job. That is God's job. He's the great physician. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's the one that makes the end meet. But so often we want to say, not thy will but mine be done. There's no victory in that. Yes, faith can bring a victory and yes, faith can move mountains and yes, faith can see great things done. But I think the greatest faith is when you and I have enough faith to just trust Jesus with whatever it is and lay down and let the Lord have his way. Oh, think about it. In Romans 12, 3, it says, God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. And that same dynamic faith that lived in your Bible lives within you if you're saved. And can I say, if you obey that faith, it broods within you and begs you, just go with God. Quit fighting and just go with God. It says, resign, yield, submit, concede, release your grip, relinquish your understanding, pull your hand off of the thing and let God put his hand on the thing. And maybe you're here tonight and you're toiling. We heard so many uh, prayer requests tonight. Just, just two or three were mentioned, but they're all major. And can I say for those two or three, there's two or three hundred more that we don't have liberty to mention or they're not mentioned. And can I say there's people in here tonight that are toiling with real things. I mean, they're struggling with real burdens. They're carrying real cares in their life. And maybe that's you. And you've been pacing and wondering and working and trying to get it all to fall into place. And you say, it's just not working out. Well, maybe tonight you ought to quit trying and start trusting God. Just submit. Just surrender. Just let him get his hand on the thing and work it out. You say, I've been praying and I've been begging God to save my lost children. And they're not saved yet. Maybe you've been doing it too much in the flesh. Just trust Jesus with it. You say, I've been praying for that raise. Maybe just let Jesus take care of it. You say, I've been working. I'm weary. I've labored. I've, I've tried. I've spent myself. There's been a thousand doctor's visits, a thousand questions asked, a thousand angles taken, a thousand counselors have been sought, but I've not gotten my answers. How about you just concede? How about you just give up on it? 
and give it to God. Man, this is hard preaching because I fail at this all the time. Man, I'm so impatient and I want to get things worked out and I want things. I, I can even know there's a date for it to happen and I want it to happen sooner. I cannot wait. I hate it. I wanted it done yesterday. But the tendency of man is this. I want to be a fixer. I want to be a fixer. You want to be a fixer. I want to fix my children. You might not can fix them. That's country talking. You might not be able to fix them. But God could. Man, I want to fix. I got to fix this thing. I got to fix my marriage. You might not be able to fix it. In fact, I guarantee you can't fix it. But I guarantee you God could. I can't fix this health situation. You're right. You can't fix it. By the way, neither can that man who's paid a lot to fix it. Unless God steps in. And God can fix it. I surrender. What about that? Quit toiling and trust God with your home and your health and your finances. You have a prodigal child and you're trying to fix it. You're trying to do everything right and they're still not coming home. Listen, it doesn't matter what you do. It's what he does. Can I tell you? Let God have it. Concede. Just go out with God and say, nevertheless, I'm just going to pray another prayer anyhow. Nevertheless, I'm going to go pass out another track. Nevertheless, I'm just going to keep on serving God. Nevertheless, I guess I'll just keep tithing. Nevertheless, I think I'll just trust him longer. Nevertheless, I'm going to raise the white flag of my will. Nevertheless, I'm going to teach my class this Sunday. Nevertheless, I'm going to work on my bus route anyhow. Nevertheless, I'm going to love folks anyhow. Nevertheless, I'm still going to tell the gospel story. Nevertheless, I'm going to stay and serve and stand. Nevertheless, I like Joshua and Jericho, but that didn't happen until Joshua submitted, laid down himself and said, you know what? doesn't make sense to me to walk around those walls, but I tell you what, nevertheless, at thy will, I'm going to cast out my net. And when he casted out that net of faith, God brought the wall down. No doubt Noah didn't make much sense to build the ark. I mean, a dry land and no rain and no water. Uh, that, around for that size of boat, but here's what he had to do. He had to launch out in the deep, take his net, cast it over. Noah had to die a little bit to self, didn't he? I think about Moses. He couldn't lead. He was a, he was a, he, he was a stutterer. He couldn't speak well, and God came to him. What did he have to do? He had to cast out his net, lay down himself, and say, nevertheless, at thy word I will. Elijah the same, and Gideon the same, and can I say it's going to be the same in my life and in yours? It's not a real exciting kind of, I thought about that. It's not really an exciting kind of a message because what I'm asking you to do tonight is die. Lee Robertson had it written down the front of his Bible, the date, and said whatever that date was, on this date, Lee Robertson died. Died to self. In 1896, a man named Judson, Judson DeVenter wrote the song we sing a lot, All to Jesus I Surrender, All to Him I Freely Give. But one of those verses says, Humbly, at thy feet I bow. I thought about this on Sunday morning. Whenever a preacher was preaching from Psalm 23. And you read Psalm 23 and there's a lot of good things that the shepherd will do for the sheep in Psalm 23. A lot of good things. It's a whole psalm about a shepherd. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But watch the next two ver words. He maketh me. Three words. He maketh me. And after he makes him... He leads him. Can I say the reason a lot of us, we feel like we don't have much direction is because we won't allow him to make us. By that I mean we won't humble ourselves and submit and just say, you know what, Lord, I'm not strong enough to do it. I'm just going to lean on you. Peter didn't want to do this because it wasn't natural. But can I say it's spiritual? I can do all things through Christ, but I can't do anything without him. And tonight, listen, what does faith do? I think faith raises the white flag. 
And faith says, you know what, it doesn't make any sense to me. And God, I've been working at this thing. I've toiled all night with whatever it is. But if you want me to go on, I'll go on. Just cast it on him. I like that old put my father's way, may twist and turn, my heart may throb and ache. But in my soul, I'm glad I know he maketh no mistake. Sometimes you can't see the way clearly through it. But that's why we have a shepherd he preached about. And I'm glad if you'll let him make, he'll lead. Amen. I'm going to pray the altar be open. What is it tonight? What's that, what's, that deep, what's that deep thing in your life? Lord's dealing with you about it, and you've yet to say nevertheless and just lay down. Would you submit tonight to it? Just say, Lord, I'm weak, but I know you're strong. And I'll trust Jesus with it. What is it? You're trying to work it out, but you can't work it out. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.